Good morning. Hey, let me just reiterate something here. First of all, I am just, I don't have much of a voice left. I'm coughing. It's a bad morning. So if I cough, if I hit my, you can't hear me when I hit that, you know, that that's going to happen several times today. So first of all, let me just say this, the contribute Sunday, the Thanksgiving baskets, here's what goes into a Thanksgiving meal that we, it's a complete turkey. So you're buying a frozen turkey, you're buying the dressing, the gravy, the potatoes, all of that stuff so that we can provide these for families in need. Now, some of you, here's your challenge for today for some of you. Some of you need to go out in that lobby and sign up for 10, 10 baskets because some of you can do that. Some of you need to go out and sign up for two or three. And some of you in here, maybe you need one. And we love you. We want to provide that for you as well. So no matter where you are in this, let's all jump on board together. Let's make sure the people around us are taken care of at Thanksgiving because we love them and we love you and we love Jesus and we want to make that part of who we are. So let me go into this next thing. Anybody have a good time last week at our baptism Sunday services? We had several people at our 9 o'clock service. If you got baptized last week, will you stand up if you were one of those people? I know, I know. Go ahead. Stand up. All right. Good job, guys. Nice job. You you know, we had so much fun. We had the 9 o'clock service. People were walking out. We dismissed them. And then we had people keep coming to be baptized. And so we got some of them back in. And then... At the 10.30 service, at this service last week, we only had five people scheduled to be baptized, and we ended up with 14 uh, baptisms last week, which is an amazing thing for the kingdom of God. Also today, if we have anybody here that served in the military, stand up for me, please, if you did that. Anybody else serve in the military? Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for protecting, for serving, for making sure we can do what we want to do as a country. You helped to make that happen, and we can't be more thankful for that. So thank you for doing all of that. Let's jump back in to our series today called Leading Those You Love. Now, leading those you love could be multiple type people. It could be a spouse. It could be a a, a co-worker. It could be a child. It could be a friend. But today we're focusing specifically on parenting. Now, if you're a parent, if you know someone who's a parent, if you had a parent, you know that parenting is not easy, right? It can be tough. It really can. And it might be because of your own kids that you know that. It might be because you walk through Kroger and you see the kids laying down in the aisle screaming because they don't get the candy bar that they want at the check. No matter who it is, you know that parenting is just tough. And a lot of us, whether you have kids or not, whether you're an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a, whatever it is, a lot of us see kids and we have this desire to pour into the next generation. To just make sure they have what they need. To make sure they know that they're loved. Make sure that their future is good. But that's a challenge. It's a challenge because none of us have been trained on how to be parents. None of us. Now, some of us might have, yeah, we've taken building your kid's self-esteem kind of thing. And so, but that's pretty much it. I mean, we're just not trained on how to be good parents. 
Nothing covered what you have faced as parents. And nothing's covering what you're about to face as parents, depending on your stage of life. But the ultimate goal for us as parents, as friends, as neighbors, as aunts, as uncles, our ultimate goal for those kids around us is to set them up so they can find this incredible life that God has created them for. And we get to be part of that. And that's a huge blessing for us. That's a huge positive. I think we need to take a good look at what our priorities are as parents, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors. And, and what do you want for those kids? Well, we want them to be happy, right? We want them to be healthy. We want them to be loving. We want them to be kind. We want them to be hardworking. And some of you are thinking, I'm not a parent, Scott. Never did that. Never went down that path. Or my kids are grown. Or I needed this 10 years ago. No. We all need this because all of us are in part of some type of a family scenario. All of us have influence on kids that are around us. And we need to make sure as grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings, close friends, whatever, that we help raise these kids in good ways, in godly ways, so that their lives make a big time impact. So what are our priorities as parents? besides being happy and healthy. I think our top priority, we talked about this a few weeks ago, our North Star priority should be that our kids grow up godly. Because out of godliness, everything else flows. Everything. Everything we want our kids to be. Everything we want our kids to experience flows from being godly. And it's backed up with a power that's the strongest power in the universe, stronger than any other power. It's the strongest power that created us, created this space, created this world, the power that's from God. And when your kids are godly, they get to live out Galatians 5.22. Here's what it says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do any of you not want those things in your lives? Do any of you not want those kinds of things in your kids' lives? No, we all want that for our kids. We all want that for ourselves. We want them to be loving. We want them to be kind. We want them to have peace. We want them to have patience and self-control. But if we don't train them, if we're not the ones setting these godly characteristics for them, you know what's going to happen? Somebody else will be training them. Their lives will be trained, will be raised in some other ways that aren't good with you, that aren't godly, that are going to lead down to paths of destruction. And you see it happening every single day. So where do we start? We start with Deuteronomy 6. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And you know what those commands are? The Ten Commandments. That's what he's talking about. 
I, I mean, the stuff that we tried to get out of our kids' lives, that culture has tried to remove from everywhere and every place, the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments boil down to this. Honor God, respect parents and family, and respect others. Why do we want to remove those things? They're vital for us, for our kids, for our culture. They're vital for a good place to be. So we go, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm going to open up the Bible, and, and, and I'm going to find out how to lead the ones we love. And, and I'm going to start looking for these great family examples in the Bible, and I'm going to model my family after them. And then you find something out. You know what it is? The Bible is full of bad family relationships. Horrible. You're not going to open the Bible and find a good example of a good family. Isn't that amazing? You're not going to find it. What are you going to find? Some really dysfunctional families. That's what you're going to find. You know any families in the Bible? Anybody tell me one? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Thank you. Sean, great example. There are some negatives there, right? I mean, you know, you, you've got some of these things. You've got a family that's living on the edge for a while of being dysfunctional at the beginning because you've got this teenage girl being pregnant. There's a lot of challenges there, but they're probably the best example of a family in the Bible. Thank you, Sean, very much for disproving my whole point. Someone else, give me an example of a family in the Bible. Who is it? Noah. Oh, my goodness. You talk about dysfunction. You look at what happened with Noah. You look about what happened with his sons. You look at what happened with, you know, everything going on with the dysfunctional. You know, we don't want to do this. We don't want to follow God. We don't want to be part of this family. They were forced into it. If you look at all these, how about Adam and Eve? You talk about dysfunctional. I don't care if it was Eve or Adam. I don't know which one was the issue. They were both, probably both issues, but thank them for all the pain and suffering that we have today, right? I mean, they were that dysfunctional. Look at their kids. How about Cain and Abel? You know what happened there? Yeah, murder. That's what happened there. Perfect example to live your life by as a family. You know, let your kids kill each other. No, they're dysfunctional. How about Jacob and Esau? Anybody know that story? Jacob cheated his brother out of his birthright for a bowl of chili. I mean, it must have been really good chili. That's all I've got to say. Probably better than Gold Star, obviously. But I mean, you know, it had to be really good chili. You're going, you cheated him out of his birthright. You lied to your dad. You, you made this whole scheme up just so you could prosper. You look at Joseph and all of his brothers. Talk about dysfunction. Their dad showed favoritism to Joseph big time, even gave him a pretty special coat. And guess what happened, dad? Yeah, all of his brothers sent him into slavery, right? They, they kidnapped him, sold him off, and thinking, we're never going to see him again. He's gone. Well, little did they know he was coming back. But other than that, you've got a guy named Eli. Now, this is an interesting story. Eli is the high priest, and he's training this this young child named Samuel to be a priest. The books of First and Second Samuel in the Old Testament. But he also had other sons that were also priests. But the problem with, with Eli's sons were that he, they kept disrespecting God. And everything that they did, people would bring meat in as a sacrifice, an offering to God, and these sons would steal the meat and eat it themselves. These sons were seducing the women 
who worked in the temple. You talk about low-down type people. You talk about preying on, on, on people around you. They were completely rebellious. Now, one night, Samuel kept hearing someone call his name, and so he'd run in and he'd say to the high priest, Eli, yes, did you call me? And let's pick this up in 1 Samuel 3, 8. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized after the third time that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came, called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And God told Samuel what was about to happen to Eli and his sons, that he was going to wipe them off the face of this earth. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. Now, if you're going to learn something from a bad scenario, how about we pick that one scripture and learn from that? God is going to punish them because the dad has not disciplined them. You're going, who? How are you doing disciplining your kids? How are you doing training your kids? It's a good negative example. I mean, none of our parents, as parents, none of us want our kids to, to, to be destroyed. And if we're going to lead the ones we love, we need to understand who they are and where they are, right? At different ages, in different stages, we need to do things differently. I mean, you can't treat a three-year-old the same way you treat a 13-year-old. You can, but it's not going to work, right? There are different stages, different ages. And you shouldn't treat your 19-year-old the same way that you treat your 13-year-old. Different ages, different stages. Here are the four stages of parenting. Ready? If you're going to write these down, these are really good to know. I wish I would have known these when I was raising my kids, but these are just brilliant. Here's the first stage, the discipline years, and that's birth through five years old. And this is all about you being consistent and loving discipline, right? You're, you're just loving them through this discipline. Now, don't miss this. It doesn't mean that you don't discipline your kids through all these different stages, but it starts here. And the purpose of this is to teach them that actions have consequences, both good and bad. Your actions have consequences. Discipline is going to be different at every stage, but discipline is so needed. I mean, we've gotten away from this almost completely in our current culture. We just have. There are philosophies that are current philosophies that say you never discipline a child. Never. You're going to harm them. You're going to damage them. You're, you're going to stunt their, their lives. They'll, they'll never be okay if you discipline a child. They have to explore all their boundaries from the very beginning. Let me just say this. I believe that's horrible advice. I believe it's absolutely horrible advice. Now, when you hear the word discipline, what jumps to your mind? Punishment. Okay, somebody else. Okay. Direction, great. Those are all great, great things when you, when you think about discipline. How about some of this? Let's, let's talk some forms of discipline. 
How about like timeouts? You know, yeah, yeah. You, you got timeouts. How about taking away dessert? That would have destroyed me as a kid. I mean, seriously. I, I, I would have done whatever. Just don't take it away. How about taking away TV time? That's discipline. How about taking away their phones? That's discipline. How about spanking them? Ooh, there's a controversial topic, isn't it? I mean, especially in our, our culture, spanking, no, you can't do that, raises a lot of questions. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to hurt a child anyway at any time. That's not what I'm saying. But a quick swat on the bottom helped to change my life. Anybody else in here? Yeah, some of you were raised in my generation. Sometimes it was, go get a switch. My grandmother, go get a switch. And if you came back with a small switch, it's go get a bigger switch because that one's not going to work. You know, and it worked. That, that was a positive reinforcement for me. It was, it, it was discipline for me. Now, if you spank a child in anger, that is always wrong. Always wrong, all right? Please hear that. Always, always, always wrong. If you spank a child because you want control, that's a you issue, not a child issue, and that's always wrong. You, you don't do that either. If you spank a child to hurt them, that is always wrong, all right? It's not taking off your big black belt and spanking them till they can't sit down. That's a wrong form of discipline right there. Now, always there are different forms of discipline that mean different things. When I was in second grade, so I was in this first stage, second grade, um, we had a fire drill that happened. So in our little elementary school, we'd walk out, neat lines, very quietly, which I've never been quiet, by the way, still not, but that's how you were supposed to walk out of the building in these neat lines. And, uh, and this one wasn't necessarily a fire drill. Someone had pulled the fire alarm, not saying it was me, all right? Not saying it was me. They pulled the fire alarm. And um, <laughs> our principal, Mr. Allison, was a big man, crew cut, military crew cut on him. And um, he kept this key ring on his belt that I swear had a thousand keys on it. I mean, it was the biggest key ring I'd ever seen in my life. And when he would walk, he would walk military style, and that thing would start jingling as he would walk down the hallways, right? Jingle, 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 jingle. Well, we're outside, we're in line, and... Um, all of a sudden, from behind me, I started hearing jingle, 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 jingle. And he yanked me out of this line. Not lying. All kinds of stories. Like he yanked me out of this line, and he swatted me ten times with a paddle, standing in front of every other kid in the school. Now, this is second grade. Now, not saying that maybe I didn't deserve some discipline. Not saying I did not pull the fire alarm. All right? because I probably could have used that discipline. But to be honest, I was traumatized by that. I mean, I literally was, because it was the wrong discipline at the wrong time, in the wrong way, in the wrong place. Now, a spanking was probably very well deserved, to be honest. It just was. But it should have been done in private. 
And it should have been done with the conversation as why you don't pull a fire alarm because it's an emergency scenario. We're trying to save lives. And that discussion should have happened along with the spanking in a private situation. There are appropriate ways to do things. There are appropriate ways to discipline, but not every way is appropriate. Hebrews 12.10 says this, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Good points. Incredible stage. Here's the next stage. Are you ready? It's the training years. And it's ages 5 through 12. And this is the age where kids are just starting to be in school. And they're learning how to, so I love this age, they're learning how to socialize. They're learning how to get along. They're learning how to figure out how to relate with the other kids. And at this stage, it's so important that we want to nurture a love for God and a love for others, right? So important. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we start training them with what we've been doing for a long time here at Community about loving God and loving people. This is the age where they start to get part of that. They start to understand part of that. They start to live part of that. And it's such an incredible stage because you get to see these kids change and grow right in front of your eyes. I mean, that's how it works, right? They change and grow right in front of your eyes. You get to talk them through everyday situations that they're facing and lead them into loving God and loving the people around them. It's a great stage. It just is. Now, we need to make sure that these lines of communication are wide open all the time. No questions are off limits. Because here's what happens. When they don't feel like they can come to you at any time with any question, the communication lines start to shut down, and communication is key through every stage of this, through their adult lives. Communication is a key. Discipline changes a little bit here. In the first stage, you apply the consequences of discipline, right? You do something, I'm going to discipline you. In this stage, you get to take it a little bit further, and you get to let them experience the pain of the consequences. You don't want to show up at school and beat up the teacher because she gave your kid an F for not doing the project. Although I know a lot of people that have done that. Have you read the news? Have you seen that happening? Parents storming into the school. How can you give my kid an F? Well, if you would have been a parent at home with open lines of communication and telling them, helping them, you know, guiding them at this point, guess what? They probably would have done the project to begin with. And then they wouldn't have been in that scenario. But because she gave, this teacher gave an F to your kid for not doing the project, the, the parents just go ballistic. And your kid learns nothing from that except how to disrespect authority. When you want it to be opposite, your child can learn from the bad grades. And maybe they can even learn how to respect authority through that. Ephesians 6, 4. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. (coughs) You see it all the time? Same type people are all through our culture. You take your kids to ball practice, to ball games, to soccer matches, dance classes, and there's always a parent that can't stop themselves from bringing down wrath on the coaches, right? I coached football for like six years, youth league football for my youngest son. Always a parent in the crowd that would yell at us as coaches. I mean, just, just yell at us. And what a reason, you just can't stop yourself from doing that. And and sometimes the honest truth is these kids needed to learn more and develop more, and they needed your help and training in doing that. But you chose not to help and train them. You chose to go after the coaches that are trying to help and train them and help you in your job as a parent, right? So we have to understand every action has a consequence, and we have to teach that to our kids, When I was 12, again, a lot of personal stories with being kids. When I was 12, I ran out in the middle of traffic, and I got hit by a truck. If you wonder what happened to me, that's probably part of it right there. All right? Now, I grew up in a small town, but the main street was busy, and it was after work, so it's, you know, not rush hour, but it was busy street, and my friends were already across the street, and so I was trying to catch up with them. Now, my parents had taught me not to cross the street, without looking both ways. My parents had taught me, don't run into the middle of traffic. My parents loved me, but what did I do? Ran right into the middle of traffic. And what happened? Got hit by the truck, flipped up over the hood of the truck, landed my my leg was just broken in half. My cheekbone was shattered. My ribs, I had several broken ribs from that scenario. Now, I'm not suggesting you let your kids run into traffic to learn a lesson. But I learned a lesson, right? Now, it was a painful one. I was on crutches for a long time, and one leg is shorter than the other, whatever. It was a lesson, but it was an important lesson to learn. Every action has a consequence, and we have to teach our kids that. Here's the next stage. It's the coaching years. This is 12 through 18, all right? These are the years where their friends, their teammates have more influence on them than you do as a parent, as a friend, as an aunt and uncle, as a leader in their lives. You know that, right? You've been there? Bad friends, corrupt good good morals? Yeah, you, you see that happening all the time. Sometimes it might even be your kid corrupting the other kids because, you know, that's, that might be where they are in life. But kids want to try to fit in. They're trying to figure out who they are. And here's how we need to coach them, right? This is such a challenge. But we need to empower our kids at this moment to have their own biblical convictions. Now, that's a challenge, right? Because your kids can only live on your faith for so long. They can only ride your coattails for so long. Your examples are important. But at some point in time, their faith has to start being their own. And this is where we start living out Deuteronomy 6. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. There are tough choices 
happening every day during this stage. Every single day. They need coaching from you to help them make the decisions in that process. Now, you cannot make the decisions for them, right? We try, but you can't. They have to make those choices. We just want to help in that decision-making process. As I was studying for this this week, I found some great advice, again, that I wish I would have known when I was raising my kids, and it's this. When these tough choices are happening, try to find someone a few years older than them that's grounded spiritually to be a coach or a mentor for them. Try to find someone that they're going to like and respect to help walk them through some of these changes. Now, you have to be confident in that person, right? They have to have their, their, their act together. But encourage these, these people a few steps ahead of them to really pour in to your kids. It's all about loving guidance. Now, let's go to the next one. All right, these are the friendship years. These are the adult years. Anybody here in your adult years right now with your adult kids? Yeah, some of you. So raise your hand. All right, I know you are. Okay, that's good. That's good. <coughs> it's not about training anymore. It literally is about now's the time to be a friend. All right, it's not about correcting them anymore. It's not about making sure that they do the right things anymore. You have to release your kids to be adults. Is that a challenge for anybody else or just me? You know, yes. It's a massive challenge, right? It's this hands off and you let them soar or you let them crash and burn. But you have to let them do that because it's not up to you anymore. It's up to you to be there when they need you. I know how tough that is, especially if your kids still live close by. But guess what? Don't miss this. Their marriage is their marriage. It's not yours. Stay out of it unless they ask. Is that hard for anybody else? Yes, it is. It's their life. It's not yours anymore. You've raised them, you've trained them, you've gotten them through all these stages. Now trust that they're going to make good decisions. And even if they don't, don't offer your advice or input until they ask for it. Such a tough thing to do. Are they still going to make mistakes? Yep. Are you going to bite your tongue? A lot, hopefully. I've got scars on my tongue, I'm telling you from trying not to pour my, my life into theirs at this stage. Let them figure it out. And you're there as a friend if they ask you. And hopefully you've done the right things through their growing up years to where they want you to be a friend. And it's a great day when they choose to be your friend. It's a great day when your kids call you and ask for advice. It's a great day where I'm not very mechanical, when my oldest son called me one day and said, Dad, I can't figure this car thing out. What do you think? I'll be over. He lives an hour away. I'll come over. And you clear your schedule to be their friend because that's what's needed at this moment. Right? That's what it is. We took this picture a few weeks ago. That's my family. Uh, you don't have to clap for that. It's, 
I am just so incredibly proud of them. My oldest son's on the left, his wife Kayla, and my granddaughter Ivy. Uh, there's my middle son Jake standing next to my wife and um, his, his wife Allie. And there's Hannah and my youngest son Zach on the very end. I, I couldn't be more proud. Just couldn't be. I'm so proud of how they've chosen to live their lives. I'm so proud of the girls that they chose to marry because they chose some good ones. And each one fits their personality so well to be a support network to them. But guess what? Their marriage is their marriage. And even though I might not agree with how things are working, I might not agree with what's going on, I might not agree with how they've split up the chores or what happens, or I might not agree with those things, it's not my business. I'm there to love them, to be a friend, not to criticize them, right? I mean, I'm so incredibly proud of the careers that each of them have chosen and how they've gotten there and what their lives look like because of those. Not my choice, not my decision, their decisions. And they've done a great job with that. Now, again, I, I don't agree with everything that they do. I don't agree with all of their choices. I raised these three boys to be die-hard, bleed black and yellow Pittsburgh Steelers fans. That's how I raised them. And guess what? Every single stinking one of them is a Bengals fan. <sighs> now, I may not agree with that, but I love seeing them be them. I love seeing them doing, doing what they're gifted to do and created to do. I love doing life with them. Last year for Christmas, Christmas has always been a big deal in our family. Lots of gifts, lots of presents, lots of time spent with that. And, and uh, last year, instead of gifts, I asked them for experiences. So don't buy me anything. Plan an experience for us to do together. And it was pretty cool. Uh, one of my, my sons, he said, okay, hey, listen, we're, we're going to take you out to dinner. We're going to hang out, you know, for the whole night. And it was an incredible time. Just hanging out, talking, laughing. You know, it, it was really fun. And uh, another one of my sons, uh, he and his wife took me out to Top Golf, and they bought me dinner. And then we had a great time at Top Golf. And another one of <laughs> One of my sons uh, planned a trip to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, it's November, and that still hasn't happened. So maybe that'll be his gift next year as well, maybe. But I get to see him a lot more than my other two. And anyway, it's, it's just cool to see and have those experiences. Now, my prayer is that they all choose to follow Jesus. That's always been my prayer for them. But guess what? I can't make that decision for them. I can't choose that for them. I can't make that a priority in their life. I made, that a, I made that decision for me. I made that a priority in my life. I live out Joshua 24 that says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose the day whom you will serve, that is for me and my family, will serve the Lord. That's how I live my life. I serve God with everything I have, with everything that I do. That's my commitment. That's my priority. And that's my decision. 
And I pray that they make that decision too, but I can't force it. I can't make them do that. That's my decision. They have to choose for themselves. And my prayer for everyone in this room and everyone online is that you make that decision too. That you choose to serve God. That you choose to follow Jesus. That you choose today that that's the life that you're going to live because it's the best life possible. But it's your choice. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your instruction on parenting. Thank you for, for my family and thank you for the families of everybody that's part of this service today. God, I'm just praying for blessings on them. I'm praying for good things on them. God, I'm praying that they may make the choices and decisions to follow you with all of their lives. Thank you for loving us that much to give us that choice. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.